All right. Here we are. Here we are. In fact, indeed. You know, Chris, when I think if podcast listeners and watchers, when you get to watch a show like your show and my show, which are fantastically produced by Chris Stone from Cast Ahead, I think if those folks got to watch the pre-show, the behind the scenes of the podcast, yeah, they would just laugh their butts off. Because oh, I know sure. we just were. <laughs> exactly. You know? That's exactly right. right. That's when we come so, in with so much energy because we've already started about, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes ago. Yeah. Which, you know what? Let's dig in right there. Sure. So, Crispin, you're focused in this world on helping people achieve all they want through sales and uh, the improvement of their sales functions and things like that. And so, you know, starting out your opportunities with energy, raising that energy level as we just did. Um, And I won't get into it because maybe you'll Google this at the office and then you'll bring up, well, I won't say it. Well, I'll say it, but please turn the audio down. Google Bill O'Reilly 80s. uh, What was the show? Bill O'Reilly outtakes where he curses. But turn the volume down, please. Yeah. Uh, I just dropped that on our team without the curse words. Right. We were like, ready to go, let's go. So anyway, share some tips on leveling up that energy as you're going into your day, as you're going into that key presentation. Where do yeah. people need to get their mind right? Yeah, so I'll start at the beginning. You know, when we go in and we start to, and we just go through a discovery with one of our clients. Um, they're one of our prospects at that point. We're hoping to, you know, migrate them to a client. Um but when we're going in, Jeff, it's really interesting because a lot of the times we'll go in and I'll meet with the leadership of an organization or we'll meet with, you know, or uh, a company that's looking to expand or grow or start a new initiative or just simply, you know, want to get to that next step um, in their, in their business. Um, so what we do is we'll go in and we'll, we'll go through a full discovery. We'll ask lots of questions. How did you get to where you're at today and where are you going? And a lot of the times, you know, the executives or the C-level leadership, you know, they'll sit up straight in their chair and they'll say, you know, Crispin, let me tell you about, you know, what keeps us up at night. And normally I'll call a timeout right there and I'll be like, hey, hold on a second. Like, I'm not here to uncover, you know, those, those skeletons in the closet. I'm not here to, to hear why, what issues or challenges or frustrations that you're really having right now. Like, th- I want to start this the right way. Like, right. I want to know what gets you up in the morning. I don't, don't want to know what keeps you up at night, right? Because when we come in with Sales Arbiter, when we come in, we're going to uncover all that. We're going we're gonna to figure out what's working, what's not working, how you got to where you're at today. But I really want to know, like, what gets you up in the morning? What gets you excited about your business? Why do you think this is the time to expand and grow? Like, Help me understand that first before we start talking about all the dirty laundry, you know? Right. And so it even starts before that. Like even when we're out there prospecting and, and we're talking with prospective clients, uh, you know, we start at that point, if that makes sense, Jeff, you know, we start right yeah, at the 100%. beginning and, and building, you know, that trust and that relationship and really trying to understand what excites you, man? What excites you about your business? And why is this the time to do what you're thinking about doing? If that makes sense. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100% it does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I always, uh, and I forgot to mention this in the pre-show, um, I always make little notes because I like to clip out great moments and that really was a great moment about focus on where you start, getting the right start, having the right intention of why do we want to start this goal? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Where Where do we want to go? And so... <clears throat> My next question of you would be, you know, we call this show Profitable Sales, Personal Freedom. You know, mm-hmm. my belief is that when sales is done right, it's the most honorable profession out there. Couldn't agree. Because you're, you're earning the opportunity to have someone give you their hard-earned money in whatever way they earned it in this world yeah. in exchange for your services, your goods, your products. Um, and I really, my belief is that when you do this right, you get to punch your own ticket, live your own life. Uh, being able to sell things uh, unlocks a lot of opportunity for people. Yeah. So expand on that for us. Expand on that for people listening, um, maybe for through the lens of sales managers to help their team level up. Maybe somebody getting into sales, how they yeah. might out of somebody in sales who's kind of stalled. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that level. You know, what you, what, what resonates with me in that question is this, is that there's just a lot of pressure when it comes to sales, right? We put pressure on ourselves, you know, management or leadership puts pressure on their team, you know, and we're always talking about, wow, we got to close more business. We got to get more sales. We got to make more conversions. We got to do all of these things to move that needle. And, and I really believe, you know, Jeff, in my heart of hearts, I think we, I think we make sales a lot more difficult than it needs to be. And so I've kind of boiled it down to three basic concepts. One, you have to behave correctly, right? If your behaviors are right in your, when you're in that sales role. And what I mean by behave correctly is this is if you're doing the things that you need to do every day. You know, making calls, doing your outreach, follow-ups, all of those things that you need to do to continue to move opportunities through your pipeline. And you're, 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 you're acting, you know, the way that you're supposed to act in your role and you're behaving correctly. Then the next step in that process is you will have a higher level of production. And if you have a higher level of production, then sales will come. Like, I, I don't know why we make it so difficult. Like behave properly in your role. You'll have a higher level of production. Then sales will come, right? But if, and then if you go into a sales event and you're so, and my, you know, my teenage daughter taught me this word and you're so thirsty, right? You're so thirsty <laughs> for a sale, yeah. right? You're so thirsty for a sale, right? And so, you, and you go into that event and you're saying to yourself, man, I got to, I got to pay my mortgage. I got to pay my car payment. I got to pay my, yeah. my, my cell phone bill. Like I got, I got things I got to do, Jeff. And, and you say, I got to make this sale. I got to make this sale. You're putting way too much pressure on you yourself and you're putting way too much pressure on your prospect. So I think your mindset, you know, your mindset has to change. Right. And, and so when I talk about mindset, I think that you need to to do one of two things at that if you find yourself at that tipping point. One, you know, to give yourself a little a little solace, like give yourself a little clarity. You know, don't go in trying to sound or act like a salesperson. Go in and say to yourself, 
I'm just going to try and have a valuable conversation with this potential prospect. I'm going to try and ask questions. I'm going to try and get to know them. I'm going to try and have a conversation, right? Instead of making it sound like a sales event or you're the sales person. And, and I mean, that means we're in the wrong place in my mind, right? And then the second right. piece of that, which is really important, is this. Don't think to yourself, man, I got to make a sale. I got to move this to conversion. I got to make this happen. You know, just go in and say, I want to try to move the prospect to a decision. Now, that decision may not be the decision that or the outcome that we want, right? They, they may decide that, <laughs> that they're not going to move forward with our services. Okay. You know, or they may decide that they do move forward with our services. Or we've set something like a clear future to be able to determine when they are going to move forward with our services, right? When is a time and a day within reason that they're going to move forward with our services? But those are really the only three outcomes, right? right? But you want to move them to a decision because that way we don't have to waste our most valuable asset, which is time. We don't have to waste our time. Because how many times are we out there and we're following up, we're calling, hey, Jeff, we had a great meeting last week. Hey, I'm just following up with you to see if you're ready to move forward. This is Crispin Cruz calling you from Sales Arbiter. Hey, give me a call back, 330-571-2445. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye now. Click. And then one of my things- Sounds Thursday. Yeah. Right? Right? And I'm thinking to myself, oh, that was a great call. I know that they're going to move forward. They want to move forward. Where does that voicemail go? Nobody ever gets this wrong. Delete. You know? Right. Where does the email go? We're, we're slaving over crafting these emails. Oh man, I don't know. Should I say that or then here? Should I say it or is? And how, you know, they're crafting, we're crafting the email. Okay. I think that sounds good. You know, they see the email pop up. They've already gone into the witness protection program, baby. You're wasting your time, right? Because you didn't set a clear next step, right? Because you're so thirsty that you're trying to make a sale instead of just moving that prospect to a decision. Because even if the, the prospect decides to uh, a no, you know, a no is okay. A no is great. Now I don't have to chase you anymore. Now I know that there's not a fit. At least right now, I can put you in a tickler file. I can follow up with you in two months from now or three months from now or next quarter or whatever. But I don't yep. have to waste my time trying to figure out where should I go next because I don't have a clue of where I'm at in the sales process. Yeah. Now, there's so much to unpack there. So I wrote down two things I want to dig in deeper, but right away on the next steps, this is actually the third thing to unpack from what you just shared for about five minutes, which was all really great. So from about eight minutes, 30 to about 13 minutes, focus, focus, focus for sure out of this episode. But those next steps, right? So in uh, my retail business that I co-own, we've got, uh, and I shared this when I was on your show. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those things we end with is, so where do we go from here? What are your next steps? Very right. We simply ask. That's right. And so many people just assume that people don't want to have that conversation, despite having spent maybe an hour, two hours with us. Maybe they spend 45 minutes with you and your business if you're listening. Whatever. Like, it's okay to ask that question. And so it, it's, it's very appropriate because this week we had through our CRM, when quotes get entered, our team enters notes. One of the notes attached to one of the quotes was, 
about a very specific system. And the, the note was they weren't the customer being, they weren't sure if that type of system was worth the investment. Mm. Now, without turning this into my time, because it's your time as my guest, the lesson here that I took back to my team was we just let them make that decision without us. Mm-hmm. And that might mean we don't get to be part of the decision at all in the future. That's right. And so we didn't answer what are those next steps. I'll let you pick up the ball there about asking that question and really dialing in on the solutions and the fit. Yeah, you're so right. Like, so, so here's a couple of the things that, you know, again, that I get excited about this. I, I, I'm, you can tell I, I love sales, love it. Right. And this is something that I just eat up and I, I try to digest and find different ways every day. I'm always trying to sharpen my, my sword and, you know, improve on my craft. And so, you know, a couple of things that you just talked about, you know, and when I talk and I talk in threes, because I think that the, there's a power in three, right? So first off, when you're with a prospect, you know, there's, there's two things that you should be doing, listening and asking questions, listening and asking questions. Like those are the two primary pieces that you should, you should be focused on in every, you know, buyer seller dance. Right. In every buyer seller right. dance. So that's the, those are the, the two components. The third thing that you talked about, which I think is critical is the, where do we go next? What would you like to see happen next? Where do we go from here? You know, those, t- that quite type of questioning strategy is, is awesome at the end. But then what do we need to do? We need to stay in control because the best opportunity for you to set your next step is when you're engaging with the prospect in your in your call right you want to set up a clear next step no matter what like jeff if i know that this is going to be a two call close or a three call close or i have an extended closing cycle for my product or service and i know that this is not a one call close you know uh, situation that's just not where we live in the business that i run right so right since i know that then the very next thing is making sure that you set up a clear next step when you are with your prospect to then be able to, to say, okay, then this is what's going to happen when we get together next time and setting a little contract, a little verbal agreement to make sure the prospect knows, hey, when we get together next Tuesday at 10 a.m., then what I would really like to have happen at that time is A, B, and C. Are you okay with that, Jeff? Right? And so you're setting that very clear future, that next step to make sure that you you have the opportunity then to move that prospect to decision. Right? Yeah. But no that. better time to stay in control of that than when you're engaging with them at that time. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah, 100%. And, and so I coached up my team to say, you know, we cannot let one of our guests leave with that big of a question looming. Right. Because we're really kind of, it, it, to, to break it down to, I think, an analogy, everybody listening and watching is going to understand. It really kind of comes down to, am I buying a car, four-door sedan, or a pickup truck? They're both a vehicle. 
They're both going to get you from A to B. But that's about the only commonalities they share. Right. You know, uh, and so I said, we got to, we need to dial in better with our customers. And I, you know, we talked about why I got there and et cetera. And it isn't, isn't beating up on my team. It's just everything's a learning opportunity if you choose to look at it that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and even seasoned pros can have a bad day. Even seasoned pros can miss a mark. It happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, this is, it's, it's called a sales practice. You know, I don't, I, you know, that's just like mm-hmm. in, just like the physician calls it a practice. You know, there's no absolute. You know, I've never thought of that. You know, there's no absolutes, right? It's called practice for a reason, right? Yeah. A practice yeah. for a reason. That's a, uh, that thought of physicians practicing on you is a little unsettling, <laughs> which is why it pays to research the right physician. Right. That's exactly right. And, I've never um, thought of that. And so, you know, when you talk about that, when you're, you know, do you want, are you looking for a car or a truck? Like, you know, but here's taking me back to that situation that you were just talking about with your team is mm-hmm. just think about all the time, the effort, the energy that it took to get your, your, your team, your salesperson in front of that prospect, right? Maybe there's a marketing campaign that you're running. There's calls that are being made, you know, some way or another that prospect found us, right? And now you finally have the opportunity to get in front of them. Well, there's a sunk cost there. And I don't care what your business is, right? 100%. There's a sunk sunk cost there. And so now you go through the sales event. And then at the very end, after all of the investment of time and energy and following uh, a formidable sales process to get them to a point to where you're as you're you're able to ask that question. Hey Jeff, hey what what should we what should happen next here? And then you give the power back to the prospect. Then you give the control back to the prospect at that point, right? Yep. And then you turn it into what we call a letter opening event. You let them take your information, go shop it with another competitor. You let them take your information. You don't have a clear future. You don't have a clear, you know, you don't have a, you don't have a set time and a day to follow up with them for a decision, right? You've literally just given them all the power back and you've given them the opportunity to put you into the witness protection program. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. After all of yeah. that. And, and I'm just saying, listen, don't the, the end of that engagement is the most important part. That's the most important part is where we can really, we really have the opportunity to try. And this is the only time that I ever let sales reps that I mentor or coach or manage is the only time that I ever let them use the word try, where we try to keep our prospect accountable for what's going to happen next. Mm, Right. Love that. Because, because prospects lie and they lie all the time. (laughs) Okay. They do. yeah, I get you. Your prospects lie and they lie all the time. So listen, we're going to try to keep them accountable for that next step in the process. And they still can sit there and smile and nod and say, yes, they'll be there and agree to the time in the day. And we've, we've seen it happen where they don't show up. They don't answer their phone. They don't, they're not on the zoom, you know, they're not on the zoom call yeah. or the webinar. We've all seen it happen, but at least we're trying to keep them accountable for what's going to happen next. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. You know, 
for me, my context of present sales leadership is through the front door of a retail establishment. I wonder, you know, I, I always love sales processes that allow for time, allow, because that time allows for some cool things to happen. Well, Are you yeah. seeing anybody? So, you know, and I, I got a couple of things I want to circle back to, but let's go down this route, rabbit hole. So somebody's doing bigger ticket sales, maybe software sales, maybe bigger consulting packages, leadership packages, things like that. Time's involved. They might have to go through multiple branches in the company. Steps are get on a Zoom call. Are you seeing anybody using that time to their advantage? In other words, we know the next appointment is next Thursday, a week plus from today. Hmm. Are people doing anything cool to have something show up via FedEx, UPS to remind of that appointment that's hmm. appropriate to the package being sold or to the company buying it? Is anybody putting cool stuff in like that because time is on your side? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't, don't have a lot of clients doing that. Um, and that yeah. might be an opportunity, you know, yeah. it's because, and I know where you're going with it because I remember like, well, listen, I own every single one of these gray hairs. Right. And so <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember back in the day where we would actually use this tool called a pen and a piece of paper. And we would actually write like little thank you notes, like we would hand mm -hmm. write a thank you note and drop it in the in the mail to a potential prospect, or we would drop yeah. that in the mail to someone. Like th those types of things just are not happening, you know, as as often today. And if there if there right. is an opportunity for you to do that and be a little different, like that is one thing that we are. We are constantly, you know, preaching to the to the companies that we serve, Jeff, is how can we be different than our competitors? How can right. we act differently? How can we sound different? Are there things that we can do that will be looked at differently than our competitors? And that maybe, maybe the product, the service, you know, the quality, maybe those things are pretty much the same. Right. We're not the cheapest, but you know, we, we, we believe we give a good quality product for at a, at a, at a, you know, competitive price. Yep. Um, but we know we're doing it right. You know, to your point, we know we're, we're doing it right when, when the prospect tells us, when the prospect tells us that, Hey, Jeff, listen, you know, I don't know what it is, man. It's your, your, your product's about the same, your pricing. You're not the cheapest. I mean, competitively priced, but you know, you're you're definitely kind of in the in the middle. You're not the most expensive, but you're not the cheapest. Um, and you know, and and I'll tell you, and pretty much all the features and benefits of the product are pretty much the same. But man, there's just something I can't put my finger on it, but there's just something different about you. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why we're going to move forward with your organization. That's the reason why we're going to buy your product or service. That's the reason why we're making the decision to move forward with you, right? Yep. And that's when you know, got something here, right? Now we've really got something because we're doing something different than our competitors. 
to make our prospect, now our new client, feel different. Feel just a little different. Yeah. Well, and on that note, in this day and age where most everything can be bought from Amazon, you know, orthodontists are not free from the Amazon effect. Right. Because you can go buy Invisalign on Amazon. Um, you know, glasses, eyewear, contacts online. You can get fitted, put your phone 20 feet away, get an eye test. So everything is, there's always other options that setting up those points of differentiation mm-hmm. and orchestrating them into your sales process can really unlock a lot of freedom in the business, whether that's improved profits, whether that's bigger sales, hiring more people, reducing the workload. Everybody's own definition of personal freedom, I think, is a little different, right? right? Which is why sales is so great. Because when you do it well, you get to punch your own ticket and dictate what that is. That's so, right. I mean, maybe share a few things that you've done or that you talk about with your clients that do create those points of differentiation. You know, what you just shared, hey, there's something special about what you're doing, and that's why we're moving forward. But what are some go-to things that you like to talk about that you like to put in place with your clients? Well, it's the foundation of every training program that we install for every client that we serve. And the foundation of that is DISC, D-I-S-C. So not sure if you're familiar with it, you might be. Um, but I, you know, not only have I been trained in this specific sales system for the last 20 plus years, but I'm also a certified DISC trainer. Now some will say I'm certifiable, which I probably (laughs) can't really disagree with that. But, um, but I'll tell you, um, DISC has made all the difference in the world when it comes to the foundation of the training that we provide. And in, in a nutshell, what, what we try to train our, our, you know, the groups that we serve, what we try to get them to do is to act and be more like their prospect. And how do you do that? Well, then you have to identify their behavior type quickly. And then you have to align yourself with them and you have to act more like them. And so we've right. changed this little colloquialism, you know, that it, people buy from those that they like, that they trust and that are like them. And so when we talk about that, you know, being more like your prospect and being more, being more or, or having them view you as having more of the behavior type that they are then aligns you in a really, really unique way. And so we're always, always, always pushing the concept of DISC and trying to follow those breadcrumbs right from the initial engagement to determine, you know, what DISC behavior is my prospect so then I can align with them, have better conversations, and just make sure that they they feel like, like, hey, this salesperson you know, this, uh, this individual that I'm engaging with right now, they're more, this person's more like me, like he's one mm-hmm. of us, right? And when your prospect starts to feel that way, now all of a sudden you tear down that wall of there being this, hey, I got to hold my card so closely. I don't want to share anything with you, Jeff. I don't want to share my budget. I don't want to share yeah. what I'm looking for. Like they, that open opens up. Pandora's box and gives you the opportunity then to really get to the information that you need to know so you can either qualify or 
disqualify this prospect, you know, going yeah. forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And, and just to, just in case anybody's wondering, uh, what disc is exactly, um, can you maybe explain that a little bit just to close that loop? Because I think, yeah, you're close yeah. to it. Obviously, I know what right, it right. is. That's but okay for anybody that isn't aware. Yeah, it's a behavioral analysis that was based on you know the works of Dr. William Marston, and this this was invented back in 1928, and he also invented the lie detector, which is interesting. Um, mm. But what it does is you know there's a there's four quadrants, and each category is D for dominance, I for influencer, S for steady relator or steadiness, and C for, for compliance. And so the, the theory is that one a person, thank you for that, and one uh, a person has a dominant trait, a dominant um, behavior type you know, in their makeup. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have some I, some S, some C, and some D. But there is a dominant trait that you're trying to identify in your prospect. And then this gives you the opportunity to connect with them more quickly and more closely in, 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 in that trust building phase, which is right at the beginning. Right. Yeah. Are you, uh, are you an IS? <laughs> I am an ID with some an ID. C okay. And very little S, very little S. Okay. So, you know, it's funny. Like, so when I get into a, I'll get into a meeting, right? And I'll be meeting with the leadership. And the first thing I need to identify is the S in the room because the steady relator, they're like my kryptonite. And I need to be very careful. Like if I let this eye out, you know, you, you hear me on your show, right? Right. And because I could talk, you're like, well, that was five, that was a five minute, you know, interlude by Crispin Cruz, right? Because I'll just keep rolling if you let me, right? And right. so my eye just comes out in black. My, my eye is always on blast. But when I go into an appointment or when I go into a meeting, Jeff, I have to take that eye and I literally have to cage him up. Like I have to like put him in a cage and I have to be yep. like, okay, boy, now listen, stay in the cage. I promise you, I'm going to give you water. I'll give you a little food when I get back. But right now you need to stay in that cage because I cannot let you out until I understand the other behavior types in the room. And then as yeah. I understand the other behavior types in the room, then I'll let you out. And even when I talk yeah. about an S, Jeff, even when I talk about the S behavior type, I lower my voice. I start to talk more slowly. I watch the cadence. I'm asking questions. I'm getting them involved because they will, and I've said this in training too, they, that S, if they, if they even get a hint that you're this raging I behavior type, they will literally kill you in the parking lot. And what I mean by that is this, is that you go in and you think you're, you had a great meeting. You connected with the CEO. You connected with the CFO. Everything sounds good. You know, maybe the administrator there was a raging S behavior type. Now, you didn't bring them into the conversation. You only, you thought, okay, I'm going to focus on the two decision makers, the CEO and the CFO, right? right? But the administrator is in the, the CEO, right? Yeah. And so the CEO, you know, Jenny, she says, she leans over to Jeff and Jeff's her assistant. Jeff's been her assistant for years, right? And you're walking out and you think you absolutely killed the meeting. You're like, 
you're like, I'm taking the rest of the day off, baby. I'm going to go have a bourbon and some cigars. I'm going to celebrate because this one is in the bag, right? And you're walking out to your car and she leans over to her administrator, Jeff, and says, hey, listen, what do you think of that guy, Crispin Cruz at Sales Arbiter? And you didn't get him involved. You didn't ask questions. You didn't. They were sitting there taking notes. They were asking questions. They were in, they smiled and nodded. Like they were you know, all the good stuff, right? But you didn't get them involved. You didn't ask right. them questions. You didn't ask them what, what, what was their goal? What is their goal for the company? Right. And so you're walking out to your car and he says, man, I don't know. Just something about that Crispin Cruz. I don't like, I don't trust him. I think we should look at a couple other options and you are dead before you even got to your car and you think yep. you killed it. Like you think, you think you killed it, right? And so that's one of the reasons why DISC, you know, I, I love DISC because when you can identify the behavior type of your, of your prospect and those that are in the room, those that are part of the decision-making process, now you have the ability to bring those people in Make sure that you're answering those questions. Make sure that you're engaging with them in a high level and you're building trust, right? And it's always the yeah. S behavior type that says, man, there's just something different about this guy. Like, I don't know what it is, but there's just something different about him. Yeah. Well, and, and so part of that is understanding how the organization, how the buyer in front of you really works. How mm -hmm. do they operate? You know, again, I'll, I'll, I'll comment through the retail business that I co-own. You know, I own it with my business partner, Ben, but we're not on the front line selling anymore. Mm -hmm. We're actually very far removed from that to the point where if we do have to step in and sell something, it's like we're fumbling because we're that far, we're that far removed from it. It's not that we're <laughs> unable to sell. It's just, we're not familiar with the, as if, with the product as our team is. Maybe right. it got moved. I've literally walked to an area. Forgetting it got moved. Um, and, and I'm like, oh, oh, it's over there now, right? Which isn't a good look. But you have to understand the organization you work with. And, you know, it's really funny right now in our industry, we've, we just came off our big industries trade show. I told everybody I'm going to take back my notes to the team and get their feedback, all the stuff. Well, what do you think the follow up communications have been like? Mm. I don't know. I'm going to say, I'm going to say low at best. Low. And the ones that do are, Hey Jeff, so what were your thoughts? Mm. Which means you weren't listening, which means going forward, if you're not going to engage with my team, if you're not going to ask for that feedback from my team, if you're not going to research what my team's doing, if you're not going to make yeah. a phone call, then I don't know that we're going to be good to work together. Cause ultimately once the product's brought in, my hands are washed clean. Right, right. Uh, everybody else in the group begins to now work with you. And so I think it's really important to always understand how that company works. Otherwise, that little S personality is in the ear um, killing your deals. That's right. It that can happen with couples, right? It can happen with CEOs to HR to you name it. Um, yeah, really, really interesting to see how you bring that in and that that's the foundation of everything you do. Very, very smart. Yeah. Very thank smart. you. Thank you. It's, uh, yeah, it's paid dividends for those that utilize, you know, our training and, and our services as well. And, uh, and it's, in, it's just so rewarding 
Um, yeah. You know, we you talk about the big ticket life and about you know getting to a point to where you know you can you can actually enjoy your life and do something that you love and and really and experience this in a way that a lot of individuals may not have the opportunity to do. I mean, and you talk about it frequently, Jeff, yeah. on your show and in other ways about how sales gives us the opportunity to do that. Like we can literally write our own ticket. We can write our own, you know, our own future. Um, and, and that's a, that's a pretty powerful, you know, that's a pretty, pretty powerful position to be in. A lot of times I'll go into an organization and I'll say, listen, you four or you six that are designated as salespeople within the organization, do you understand that you're the only no, you're, you're the only people in the in the whole organization that have the ability to increase their compensation just by the actions that they that they uh, have every single day, right. you know. But they're the only ones. That, no one in accounting has the ability just to increase their own compensation, you know, at a at a whim uh, by by you know by doing something that's part of their daily role within that company. Um, no one in legal has the ability to do that. No one in HR has the ability to do that. Right. Right. Um, so this is a, this is, you know, when you talk about this being a coveted role and an, and an essential one for every company out there, like I believe that in my heart of hearts, but I also, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not the one that has to believe that the sales reps, those that are driving the initiative, those that are truly trying to get, you know, the organization from A to B to C, and also improve their own compensation. Uh, those are the ones that have to believe it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It's so much better to be able to write your own paycheck, elevate your compensation through the works of your sales efforts, as opposed to waiting for Harold and HR to give you your 3% a year cost of living raise, which doesn't even cover cost of living anymore. Right. That's right. Um, you know, and I'd be remiss not to say this and, and, we don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but I think organizations, you know, really need to remember if you put out the comp plan mm. and your team goes and hits it and they're hitting home run after home run after home run, write the check. Yeah. Write the check per the comp plan. Right. Don't go and redo it every three months, every six months. Mm. Right. So uh, I think that's, I don't know what your thought, I'll ask you what your thoughts are on that. I think that's one of the most terrible ways to demoralize your sales force mm. is I, to re constantly rewrite the comp plan because your teams are hitting it. Hitting it I, couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's called incentive comp for a reason. It's called incentive comp because the comp plan is supposed to incentivize the sales representative to go over and above and to be able to incent them to sell more. Okay. So I'll add one little caveat to what you're saying too, Jeff, which is this. If you can't calculate your commission from the time that your prospect signs the contract, okay, from the time that it takes for them to sign the contract and you to get to your car, like literally get up. And even if you're at your home office, how long does it take for you to walk right. to your car and get in the car door, right? If you can't calculate your commission between the time that it takes for you to walk out of that office and get to your car, then your comp plan is built incorrectly. Because 
every that's what true hunters you know yeah. live for they want to be able to make a $10,000 sale and they want to be able to say man i just made x dollars in commission right and and if you if you have to be an accountant to figure out your comp plan <laughs> then i would say go rework it because it's not incentivizing your sales reps to do more it's decentivizing them to do more to do less yeah, I mean, the only changes we make to ours are when I bring new ways to earn more money. It's awesome. You know, because we, you know, maybe we bring on products with different margin. Maybe, maybe, um, cost structures change. Maybe we find efficiencies in purchasing. And so if I'm going to win, my team's going to win. Yeah. Ultimately focused on ensuring that we're the best fit for the customer and that they enjoy, um, that they enjoy the products that we give them and the service that we give them, right? Because sure. nothing, nothing's done till something's sold and that customer is happy. Right. So, right. We've got a f question from our friend, the Deej. Oh, the Deej is in the house. I love it. He is. He is. I think we have to, when we read his comment, we have to go like this. Right? Is that how it goes? <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's exactly and right. So, I just did the same thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so his question is, so what is that right commission-based salary split? Mm. You know, is there is there a basis by which to answer that question? That's a tough one. You want to try it? You want to try it or you want me to? Uh, I'll let you go first. You're the guest. No, uh, that's, that's kind of you. So <laughs> the right commission base salary split. Okay, so here's the thing. There are still some companies out there that feel like they can get it done on straight commission. Now, it's still a very very com competitive, you know, marketplace out there for sales resources. Okay, when you're trying to hire a salesperson. Um I think personally, I think the days of straight commission are almost over. Maybe there are some markets that can still support that. Um but most most companies you know, are going to have a very difficult time finding straight commission sales reps um, that will be willing to work on straight commission. And because that what that means is it puts a lot of pressure on the salesperson to be able to make a sale quickly and then to realize some revenue quickly. And so create some thirst. You yeah. Were talking and sometimes about it doesn't. Your daughter. That's exactly right. And sometimes it doesn't happen as fast as they want it to. Yeah. Right. So I think that Dan is right to ask the question of, What's the right split? You know, because there is a right split. Now, how do we get to that? My, my theory has always been this. The foundation of the compensation or the base commission, you should be able to make in a, in 12 months. Okay. So however long it times, however, however long it takes to train your sales rep. Right. And then 12 months from the time that they start. They should be able to make as much commission as they're making in their base salary, right? So the OTE. So if you're paying $50,000 in base commission or in base salary, sorry, then your plan should allow them to make $50,000 in commissions within their first 12 months. So their W-2 should look something like a hundred grand at the end. Right. And if they, that's the goals that are set up. That's the KBIs that you've set up. That's the production. We talked about it earlier, right? So yep. they're behaving correctly. They're doing what they're supposed to do to be, you know, to, to build their pipeline and to have a high level production. 
then the sales should yield uh, about a about a 50-50 or an equal split to commission versus base salary. Yep. I like that. I like that. I'll share again through the lens of what I do with my team at the store. So for us, it's we we do have commission. Um, although when you look at our reviews, um, Google's done this silly thing where they aggregate the thematic words of your reviews and we have pressure up there, but it's actually no pressure. You won't find one single review that says we pressured somebody into a sale. In fact, you find the opposite mm. that thematically, uh, grouped word is about no pressure, you know? So it's like my little, my little, like, really, Google, we can't figure that out in 2023. But anyhow, so we, we do, uh, we are commissioned, but we have a salary. And that salary, essentially, because we are a small company, focuses on the jobs, the, the tasks that each undertakes in the business, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. it's our mm-hmm. selling stage. The, the store is our selling stage. So it needs to be clean. Bathrooms need to be clean. Things need to be tidy. Uh, you need to receive merchandise, tag merchandise, things mm-hmm. like that. And so essentially what I do, the way I look at it is I take, okay, if I paid one or two people, um, to just simply have that role, what would that number be for a very competent, skilled person? Right. And then I divide that out amongst the team proportionally, mm-hmm. you know, around who's doing what, who's leading what. Right. And, and so that's, you know, so my expectation is that you're going to do these tasks. I'm paying you for them. Mm-hmm. And I've, uh, over the years, we've we've almost come to points where, hey, if you want to be a full commission team and not take care of your selling stage, not handle some of the operational things, okay, that's right. not an issue at all. Mm-hmm. We just go straight commission. That's great. That's mm-hmm. great. And so, and then I'll I'll rock say star. one. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, they show up and they're the rock star salesperson. Mm-hmm. Have the supporting cast behind them. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, ultimately, when when presented with that, nobody wanted that, <laughs> you know. Right. Of course. And so we find, and so we find a balance. And it's never meant to be this adversarial thing. It's just meant to be. Here's your options. You pick. Yeah. And that's yeah. what we find for us has worked. And I've I've shared that with others, and they found it useful. Yeah. And what that means is, though, is that you're paying a, a richer you know, a richer percentage of commission on the other side of that too. So mm-hmm. if you're not paying as much in the base salary, whatever that might look like, yep. you know, then you're just making, you know, the compensation percentage richer on the other side of the deal, which is yep. more than, you know, more than fair as well. Are there any, oh, here he comes, Dan Jordan back again. He says, that was helpful. You're welcome, Dan. <laughs> Thank you for stopping by. There are any industries that are more conducive to commission-based sales? Well, yeah. I mean, oh, or is it more the person? Ooh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I, my my view is some industries are more conducive to commission-based sales. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think that exists where, like, roofing, as an example, I think sure. is one. Because there is opportunity to genuinely help the customer with their purchase. We don't, you know, roofing, unfortunately, has a lot of bad operators, but there's also a lot of good. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, the opportunity to earn more commission exists when you get to a job and you discover the decking is bad. Well, it doesn't cost any more to get the crew there. 
all mm-hmm. the equipment's there to fix that problem. That's right. It's incumbent upon the salesperson to show Mr. and Mrs. Smith on Main Street with the hail damaged roof, hey, we're taking care of your shingles. That's under insurance. But boy, this decking is really bad. And ultimately, uh, the new roof we install will fail if we don't, uh, if we don't uh, truly make sure that we do it the right way. That's so right. what that looks like. And I think those kinds of jobs where those opportunities exist lend themselves to a higher commission because your, your cost basis against that sale is so much lower. Yeah, that's right. I, I was going to, and I'm cheating off your paper just like I used to in high school off the, all the time. Um, <laughs> and, and I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's those in-home services companies that I think it still does make sense for. Um, yeah. And, and again, but I've even seen, you know, I've seen at least some help to get them started, right? They'll call it a training pay. So they'll pay you 500 bucks a week for six weeks while you're still under training. And, and then if you make some sales and you start to piggy bank, you know, some of that commission, then they'll pay you that just as, as, as the plan is built, but they'll at least right. give you some runway, right? They'll give you a, 500 bucks a week or 750 bucks a week or something like that, call it a training pay and then get you rolling. So that seems to be enough to, to get those, you know, people kind of salted into the position, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I a hundred percent agree with that. You know, as we look to wrap up our time, I think, you know, care about your people, care about your customers. You do those two things and all does come together. Um, you can't, you know, it's in, it's to be inspired again by your daughter. What's her name? Yeah. Anna. Thank you. Anna, Anna. you know, yeah. so we could tell Anna, you used her inspiration on the show today. That's you just right. don't want to be putting thirsty people out there because it, no. it, it, it's a bad look on That's your, right. uh, on your company. It's a bad look on the person in front of you, mm-hmm. uh, in front of your customer. So it's a bad representation. So thank you to Anna for that. Um, Appreciate your inspiration there for, for dad today. Crispin, <laughs> if anybody wants to uh, connect with you deeper, where do they go? We've been flashing it on on the screen here for the viewers and the watchers, but for the listeners, right. we of course have show notes, but maybe they're driving and you can let them know where to go. That's it. So sales arbiter, that's S-A-L-E-S-A-R-B-I-T-E-R.com. You go there, you can fill out the form, the, the call, there's a call number on the website that you can call that comes right to me. Um, I, I am the easiest guy to get a hold of on the planet. So, you know, if you, if you use that phone number there, that 678-251-9141, that rings right to me and we're, we'd be glad to, to talk with you. There's our friend Dan Jordan as well, who helped me to, you know, build this business and really kick it off the right way and, and still handling a lot of business development, you know, for me today. Um, and Fantastic. you know, we're just, we're excited to help companies grow and try and get them to meet their goals, whatever that might look like. So thanks for having me on the show today, Jeff. It means the world to me. And, you know, just the, just the invite, you know, was exciting for me to be a part of it today. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to have you on, happy to have had you pour into my audience with your wisdom and leadership and guidance. And, uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show, Crispin. Really anytime. appreciate it. Anytime. All right. Anytime. Thank you. All right, everybody. Well, that was another great episode. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you next week. So next week's episode is going to be a little different. Launching my book, 
the Space for Leadership, launches August 29th, 2023. The incredible team at Cast Ahead is going to be producing a full two-hour launch party. I've got some co-authors in that book. They'll be jumping in. So look for that. If you follow me on socials, you're seeing it all over the place now because we're in that one-week window of promotion. Please go to thejeffg.com slash book. Jump on that list. You'll get the notification when the card opens. you get all the bonuses we talk about that day. And um, I'd be so honored for you to get a copy of the book. So Crispin, again, thank you for stopping by. Appreciate you. Appreciate everything you're doing at salesarbiter.com. All the great ways that you help and everybody else. Take care. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time. You got it. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own big ticket life. And now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.thebigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See, all your life you've been told what is and what is impossible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living a big ticket life. My big ticket methods shift you into that investor seat in your business, away from commodity and away from competition, into a market of one, so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now. Accept this gift, book your call, go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.